Hello, everybody. This is Chris Blair, voice of the national champion Fighting Tigers of LSU. And you're locked in to the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show, Middle Georgia's number one voice of community and collegiate sports. Go Tigers. This is Mike Conti of Atlanta United and the Atlanta Hawks Radio Networks. You're listening to Middle Georgia's number one team for community and collegiate sports from Atlanta to Savannah. It's the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show. Hey, this is Andy Demetra, voice of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, and when I want to know what's going on in Middle Georgia sports, there's only one place I go. It's the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show, your place for community and collegiate sports. Guys, take it away. All right, hello everybody, it's your Rob, Ben, and Joe Show. We're here hanging out with you again on a... uh, a beautiful day it turned out to be today, guys. Didn't it indeed? Fantastic. It was a little chilly yesterday, but yeah. uh, come out nice and nice and sunny and about uh, 78. <laughs> the weeks, to start the week was hot, though. It's like, you know, <laughs> oh, this is May, and then we get 60 degrees and nice, nice crisp morning, and then, you know. That's right. Breezy afternoon. You're Robin and Joshua here, brought to you, of course, by uh, Bubba's Tire Center, Network One Sports, and... We have Eyeballs Media and Marketing on with us. Remember, you can find us anywhere at RBJ Podcast on Facebook or at RBJ Show on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, you can follow us at NetworkOneSports.com, streaming there always. And last week, guys, great show. Had Wes Durham on the air with us here talking all about the big calls in Georgia Tech history. And uh, what better way to follow that up than to have our friends from the University of Georgia on with us here today, right? The best of both of us. <laughs> really, really looking forward to it. So we can really hear the other side of everything that Wes was talking about <laughs> right. last week. That's right. Here, and uh, to start the show this week, we've got our friend and a longtime broadcaster in the state of Georgia in Atlanta with uh, WSB Sports, and of course, the uh, sideline reporter, and then uh, involved with the University of Georgia Broadcasting now, Mr. Chuck Dowdle on to start our show with us this evening. Mr. Chuck, how are you, sir? Oh, doing well, Rob, Ben, Joe, good to be with you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for being here. And I guess you heard us say there we had uh, Wes Durham on last week, Chuck. And, uh, you know, he was. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think he's still calling some Falcons football somewhere. I don't know. Well, it's much better than what he was calling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you from jump here, Chuck, that, uh, you know, I'm a a Bulldogs fan, so I'm here with you. But across the table from me here, Rob and Ben are avid Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Easy, Chuck. Easy on us. Yeah. (laughs) Really? I'm sorry. Hey, Chuck, it's uh, okay, though. I'm married to, well, I'm married to a double know, dog. Well, there you go. Uh, well, that, then at least there's something good about it. <laughs> That's but right. I, I will say this. I, I was uh, – Wait a minute! Did I hear Georgia Tech drop football? Have they dropped? Yeah. <laughs> I no. sure hope not. <laughs> no, I know what I heard. I heard they dropped the football. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Ooh, that's that's right. something that's not unusual to hear if you're a Georgia Tech fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you, tell what, Chuck. Uh, we certainly do appreciate you taking time to be on the show with us here tonight. Of course, a lot of people know you, Chuck, from your time uh, as the. Uh, sports director and anchor at WSB in Atlanta, a Cox uh, Media Group station there, which, by the way, I work for Cox as well, Chuck, so uh, we got that in common. But uh, <laughs> And, of course, your sideline reporting there for the University of Georgia and many other things that you've done along your career, of course, being in, uh, in Tennessee and then, of course, in Florida down there with uh, the Miami Dolphins and, of course, yeah. yeah with, well, Coach Shula was yeah. done for, you know, for uh, 13 years and uh, just recently uh, – Back in February, uh, had the chance, uh, you know, coach had turned 90 back in January and, uh, 
and I hadn't seen him in a while, and I thought, you know, I, I probably needed to go down to see him. I didn't want to miss an opportunity, and, and uh, uh, you know, his health had not been great. So, uh, you know, I called down to the house and uh, told the lady that kind of runs his scheduling that uh, I wanted to see him, and so she said, well, I'll call you back. She called me back. She said, uh, Coach and Marianne, his wife, uh, were wondering if I'd like to come out to the house and have lunch. And I said, you tell him I'll, I'll be there. And so I flew down to uh, Miami on February 4th and went out to the house and had lunch with uh, with Coach and Marianne. And we just had a great time talking about the old times together and laughing and cutting up. And, uh, you know, and then we lost him, you know, just a couple of months later. But... I'm so glad that I got a chance to spend some time with him and talk about some of the old days and some of the players that that the Dolphins had had, kind of kind of catch up on a lot of things. One of the things I found interesting was uh, Coach. You know, now was probably for the last, I guess, maybe year, year and a half, he'd been confined to a wheelchair and uh, he had lost his mobility. Uh, and I said, "Well, you're getting around much?" He said, "Well." He said, I, I go out and ride around the golf course in the, in the golf cart. And, uh, and then he said, I go to the horse track a couple of times a month. <laughs> and I said, really? <laughs> and, uh, cause I'd never known him to do that, not ever. And, uh, and Mary Ann looks over at me. She says, ask him who comes and picks him up and takes him to the track. And I looked over and I said, who takes you to the horse track? <laughs> he said, greasy. <laughs> Bob, Bob, Bob Greasy, oh, bless his heart, Bob Greasy would come a couple of times a month, pick Coach up, and they'd go to the horse track. They'd go to <laughs> Gulfstream Park, bet on the ponies. That is awesome. Well, i tell you what, Coach, that, that warms my heart a little bit because I am a Dolphins fan. I was a big fan of Dan Marino and the Marx Brothers and, you know, Jim Jensen and Zonka and all the boys even back before then. So I, I really do... Uh, I love my Dolphins, even though they sometimes make me cry, to, to quote Darius Rucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> but uh, you also spent some time covering the uh, Miami, uh, the University of Miami there, and that's uh, where you met a young coach, Rick, too, if, I don't, if I'm not mistaken. It, it, Isn't that right? It, it, exactly. Uh, it's really funny. Mark, I, I actually uh, had not met him until he came to the University of Miami, but I, I actually covered some of his high school games when he was playing at Boca Raton High. And uh, he was a very highly coveted quarterback in high school. There were a lot of schools after him, and he chose. He was one of the first big recruits that uh, a newly hired Lou Saban, uh, who was a famous coach in the coaching uh, in the NFL, and he had coached with the Buffalo Bills, and in fact, had coached the Bills the year that uh, O.J. Simpson ran for two thousand two wow. yards, running wow. for that. And uh, Lou Saban was the coach, but he, he came to the University of Miami and took over as, as head coach there and, uh, and and went about recruiting really better players than Miami had had. And one of the first that he got was Mark Rick. And uh, it was really ironic because he signed Mark uh, to come in to be the quarterback. And back then, uh, you know, the <laughs> – it, it, signing day wasn't like it is now with all the attention. <laughs> and, and they just had a chalkboard down at the university. And, uh, and and in Mark's case, he came down because he was in Boca Raton. He just drove down and signed his papers there at the school. <laughs> and, uh, 
and, and the great story is he was looking down at, at the paper that they had posted, and he was looking at some of the other. They had this kid up there, and he said they had him as a quarterback slash athlete. And uh, Mark looked around. Now, by this time, uh, you know, uh, Saban was still the coach, but uh, he was going to be leaving. Howard Stellenberger was going to be coming in. But Mark looked at the uh, at the thing and said, "Well, what's this? It it says quarterback here slash athlete." And uh, and Lou said, "Well, you know, we think that that's a a kid that he's a quarterback now in high school, but we think he's just a great athlete and he'll make a good defensive back or something of that nature." And uh, and Mark went, "Oh, okay." And then he looked down at the next name and he said, "Well, what about this kid?" It says Jim Kelly. And it just says quarterback. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Saban looked at him and said, dead serious, said, Mark, we need somebody to back you up. <laughs> and Mark went, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> didn't quite work out. That <laughs> That's hilarious. That, uh, I can imagine now, now Robin Ben here and I and I all played uh, sports in college, Chuck. I played baseball much like you, and Robin Ben played football at Mercer University here in their inaugural year. So uh, I can tell you that I never even got to see the other names on the <laughs> rosters when, when I came on board. Hello? You there? Yeah. We got you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Well, uh, let me ask you this, Chuck. Uh, I know you spend some time on the sidelines with the coaches as they're, uh, you know, coming in and out. Coach uh, Kirby Smart there and what he does as you're coming on and off the field. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what that's like when you catch uh, the coach there and what that demeanor is for you uh, when you're dealing with Coach Kirby Smart. Is he always as, as uh, animated? Uh-oh, I think we lost him. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to get him back on the line there, but... Uh, that's the, the beauty of technology, I guess, today, right? Yeah, I, I lost you. There. Yeah, <laughs> you, you're enjoying the outside somewhere down there, Chuck. I guess I don't know. <laughs> but actually, I've got a pretty good signal here. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was going to ask you, sir, is I know that you do a lot of uh, you know sideline reporting with the University of Georgia there. When you catch Coach uh, Coach Kirby Smart coming on and off the field there, tell me what it's like yeah. when you catch him in that demeanor as he's either coming on ready to start the game or getting ready to go out or come in from half. What is he really like before you get him on the air there, or is he all he, the same? <laughs> he's bluntly honest. Bluntly honest. If you'll recall last year, in fact, I, I will never forget this because I had never had a coach tell me this before, uh, and certainly never one tell me since then. Uh, but as the team was coming off the field after warmups prior to the South Carolina game, uh, I asked him about you know how they were going in, and he said, uh, "I've got to go in here and get them ready to play. They're not ready to play." Wow! And uh, of course, you know what happened in that South Carolina game. <laughs> but I thought later, I thought, well, you talk about a coach that knows his team. I mean, he's out there watching them warm up and realizes they're not ready to play. Right. And and uh, and said as much uh, to me, you know, to, to the Bulldog Nation listening uh, yeah. as he was coming off the field to go into the locker room prior to kickoff. You know, I've got to go in there and get these guys ready to play. They're not ready to play, and, and that's a good feeling, so, though. You know, if you're if you're if you're Kirby Smart, or you're a team, uh, if you're a part of the team, or even if you're a fan, you you need to. That's a good trade in a football coach to know his team that well. He knows his guys. He knows they're not quite ready to 
You know, they're not ready yeah. to really turn the page. And, hey, he, he must know something because that was one of Georgia's really lackluster games. You know, they didn't really have a – you know, that was – they obviously lost that game, but it wasn't one that was, you know – a great performance by any means. So Kirby was on to something, you know? <laughs> yeah, th- th- there's no question. I mean, you know, he knows, he knows his players, uh, and, and he certainly could tell that this team was not as focused as they needed to be for a, for an SEC game, particularly against a rival. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I give him full credit, uh, that, that, you know, he gave it his best chance and, uh, you know, it did not work out for Georgia that night. It was, uh, an embarrassing loss for the dogs. It, one that hurt them. Uh, and, you know, you can only hope that, uh, that those kids learned a lesson from that and that they won't let that happen again. They certainly didn't the rest of the season. Yeah, that's absolutely true, Chuck. And, uh, I got a question, uh, when you, do you ever, when you're, you know, after a rough half, because, you know, the way Kirby looks on TV and in person, <laughs> sometimes he can be fairly animated if you can, you know, in, in certain things, if something doesn't go, you know, correctly right or he's getting on to a guy. Do you ever get a little nervous going into a halftime <laughs> about what you're going to ask him or anything like that, or is he is he pretty controlled, or do you ever get a little nervous about, like, I don't know how he's going to respond to this? <laughs> no, you know what, he – uh, he never jumps at me. He never, uh, you know, he never dresses me. Now, uh, Don Shula used to, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and, and I even got, uh, one night, and this is, uh, this is really interesting, was, uh, we were playing University of Florida in, in Jacksonville, and, uh, uh, Aaron Murray threw a pass to Orson Charles, and he was coming down the sideline. This was the first year, by the way, that I was uh, on the sideline, and uh, and and a Florida defender. I was looking at Orson Charles coming, and did not see the Florida defender who was coming at Orson across the field, <laughs> and hit Orson and knocked him into me. And I went, I mean, you know, ass over teacup. <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and you know, I mean, it was it was not pretty. Um, well. When we got back to Georgia, lost that game. Uh, but we got back to Athens. We were taping his uh, Mark Ricks TV show at about I don't know. It was probably about one in the morning. We were taping that show, and we finish up, and and I'm getting ready to leave. I'm starting to walk out. Mark says, uh, "Chuck," and I looked around. He says, "Can I see you in my office?" And I thought, "Oh, yeah. <laughs> what's this about?" And uh, we go down to his office. And we walk in, and he says, if you're going to be on the sideline, he says, you have got to pay attention. (laughs) I'm telling you right now, he said, I pay attention, and I know where the play's going. You don't have the foggiest notion. And and I thought, well, he's right about that. (laughs) But he, he wanted to let me know in no uncertain terms that, he didn't want to see me wiped out anymore down there on the sideline. Yeah, but I better be paying attention to what was going on. He's, he was looking out. Yeah, there. Chuck, you got to you got to stick that landing if you're going to get. That's exactly right. Yeah, oh. make it a ten. That's right. That's right. Hey Chuck, well, uh, I tell you what, you got the, you got a chance to experience Mark Rick and the transition to Kirby Smart. Um, we asked this question to West Durham because he saw a couple changes uh, of the guard at Georgia Tech. What was the change in the guard like from your perspective, from Kirby Smart? Uh, I mean, from uh, Mark Rick moving on to Kirby Smart. Well, I, I think the intensity ramped up. I think the interest of the Bulldog Nation 
uh, ramped up. I think there had been a, a little bit of a malaise that had uh, set in. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, Greg McGarrity since that, uh, since that the program had kind of plateaued and, uh, was looking for something to kind of, uh, re-energize it. And, uh, it was a gamble. I mean, it was a, uh, you know, pretty big roll of the dice. Uh, as it's turned out, I think it worked out for all concerned. I think for I saw sure. Mark this week, in fact, talked to him. Uh, he seems to be really happy and, uh, you know, well placed in his life now with retired and just doing the, uh, ACC, uh, network stuff. And, right. uh, and obviously Kirby just, uh, is killing it with, uh, with the football program at Georgia. And, you know, the fans are responding. You see the, the way that they not only uh, have been packing Sanford Stadium, but the way they they travel with the dogs on the road. So I, I think it's worked out for everybody. But there's no question that the intensity uh, level rose. And now, not only is that, but you you see now the interest in Georgia football coast to coast has risen. You know, Georgia now when when they play on national television, you get some of the highest ratings. So so there have been a lot of things that have been very positive. Uh, to come out of the change. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, getting making it to the national championship, winning the Rose Bowl, that was obviously a, a massive deal as far as the Georgia brand from, you know, coast to coast, east to west. That was such a big run. Um, that game in particular too. Um, but uh as far as like, you know, when you're on when you comparing to Mark Rick and comparing to Kirby as far as the game preparation with the kids warming up and the way that they kind of interact, Kirby seems on the outside, and we don't get to see behind the scenes, but Kirby seems like he is a lot more involved in trying to get, you talk about intensity, he seems like he's a lot more involved in getting the players ready to play and kind of feel motivated. He's liable yeah. to come headbutt you. Yeah, yeah out there. That well. is, that, is that accurate or is that not exactly what may be going on or... No, I, I think, you know, now on the field, when they're out on the field warming up and, you know, uh, listen, there, there's no question Kirby's hands on. He is oh, yeah. definitely yes, hands sure. on. But where I think, where I notice uh, Kirby really uh, excelling is when he speaks to the players, either pre or post game, uh, you, he, he will step up on a chair or something in the, he'll get them all down, take a knee uh, around him, and then he'll start talking. When, when Kirby starts talking, he becomes very animated. And you, I'm sure you have no trouble understanding that. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, becomes, he becomes very animated, and that head starts bobbing, and that hair starts flopping, <laughs> and those kids, those kids get, they, you can see from where I stand, you can just look at it. I mean, they're just mesmerized. And the best example I can give you is following the win uh, over Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. We come into the locker room, and, you know, the players are excited. They win an exciting overtime game against uh, Oklahoma. They come from behind. They win uh, in overtime at the Rose Bowl, this iconic venue of national television. And now they're going to the national championship game. And Kirby came in and jumped up on a chair told him take a knee and he started he says we're not celebrating now he says there'll be lots of time to celebrate later on he says right now he says we've got other things to be focused on next week he said i want you guys in the shower dressed on the bus on that plane and back home off your feet and getting rested for next week he said now do you understand that i know what i'm talking about (laughs) all of those kids they were like 
Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, they, they now believe, they believe that he was, uh, that was his focus was, hey, look, we're not celebrating this win over Oklahoma. Our focus right now is to get you guys some rest. And we're out here in California. We got a long way to fly. I want you out of this stadium. I want you on the bus, on the plane. I want you back home in your bed. And, uh, and, and then we'll start getting ready for next week. And at that time, they didn't know who, who they would play because at that time, uh, Alabama, I believe, was still playing Clemson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, that game had not yet been decided, uh, because that was the second game of the, of the, of the playoffs that day. Right. That's but, right. But, uh, but you know his his focus was to get these guys out of California back to Athens and get them off their feet. That's fantastic, and I tell you what, that type of mentality I think really has helped. Georgia has always recruited well. Mark Rick always had great recruiting classes, um, and de- definitely left something for Kirby to work with when Kirby got there. But Kirby, like you said, the Georgia Bulldog brand has really expanded from coast to coast. And you can see that when you see the recruiting board. You're getting guys from Pennsylvania and all over the map versus a heavily southeastern, um, you know, kind of uh, brand more so. They've really gotten, like you're talking about, national pulling guys from all across the country. And I think, uh, like you're talking about this polarizing figure, I think Kirby takes hold of these recruits when they go in these houses, and he, 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 has, he shows that emotion, and it obviously carries over because these kids love this guy. They do. Uh, you know, it's obvious when you see the recruits on the sideline uh, prior to the start of the game. And i got to tell you right now, uh, you know, Kirby comes in to do post-game interviews with me uh, following games at home particularly. And when he's got those recruits that are uh, visiting in the locker room, you know, he'll tell me during – he says, look, how much longer do we need to go here because I need to get out in that locker room. I've got some kids out there that are really important to our program. And, uh, you know, he, he is – the first thing on Kirby's mind every day is recruiting. And then the second thing on his mind is see the first thing, you know, <laughs> uh, because that's, that's, that's the way he, he is all about recruiting. And it's not, just that, it's not just that he realizes the importance of it. i got to tell you from somebody that spent a lot of time with him, he loves it. He truly and thoroughly loves it. Some coaches – do it, but they hate it. He loves recruiting. He loves meeting these recruits, talking to these kids, getting to know, know their families, their stories. And I got even the kids that end up going elsewhere. Uh, Kirby doesn't lose contact with them. Yeah, that's incredible. But you can really what you're talking about. You can really sense that passion that uh, with with his recruiting, and it's directly relative to his time at Alabama. Everybody talked about, well, Kirby's such a great recruiter. He's such a great recruiter. And then when he comes to Georgia, everybody's like, well, is he going to be able to do that at Georgia? And he absolutely has because. His passion is so strong when he talks to these players. It's completely evident that he's not just concerned about, hey, come play for us. I'm trying to get something out of you. These kids are building relationships with him, and that is what's ultimately the lifeblood of the program. And He understands that, and that's why he cares so much about it, and you can really see it. And then it translates to the, to, to the incredible product. Especially, um, you can see, which he's obviously defensive-minded, you can see that completely with the way that Georgia's defense plays. It's like there's a lot of Kirbys out there with the intensity, and you can tell when he gets on them, they respond to that because they trust him. Yeah, there's no question. They've, and that's trust that he's earned with them. But, but you know what? You, you mentioned how the Georgia brand has spread 
coast to coast as far as recruiting, and he goes and gets these kids from California to New Jersey to New York City uh, to Baltimore to Indianapolis. I, I mean, we can go all over the map uh, with where Kirby pulls kids. But I got to tell you something, his priority remains, and he would tell you if he was on the phone right now, his priority remains the state of Georgia. There are some years that perhaps the quality is not quite as high in Georgia as it is other years. And in those years, you know, he's going to get the best player available. Uh, and fortunately for him, and fortunately for the University of Georgia, there are a lot of years where the best player available is in Georgia. And, uh, and so, you know, the priority is always to recruit the home state. But, you know, there are some years that he goes outside the state and, and gets, you know, number one or number two ranked kids in the country at their positions because, uh, you know, there's not anybody of that class in the state of well, Chuck, uh, you were right about that, and I'm glad to hear uh, the talk about recruiting, especially in the home state there. And uh, just by the way, we got Jeff Dantzler coming up on the back half of the show here. So uh, before we get to him, and, yeah, in just a few minutes, if there's anything you want us to put on the fire to poke him at, you let him know before we get out of here. But uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, Chuck, what do you see uh, in conversation maybe even with Coach Smart are we going to have uh, full football and full fans in the stands for fall this year? What are your thoughts on that? I, I think we're going to start on time. Let, let me say that to begin with. Uh, I think uh, that that there will be um, some type of decision made on fans by the end of June. But I think that, that getting the season started on time and then if fans have to join the parade, somewhere during the season that may be the case it or it may be a gradual joining of the parade it may be you know we're going to allow well i'll I'll give you an example had we played uh a second game at the sec tournament basketball tournament in nashville back in march uh each team was going to get i believe the count was 140 every team and now how you use them you could give them to family you could give them to staff you could give them to uh fans whatever you want to do but right. you got, each team was going to get a 140 and i think we may start with something that would resemble that where maybe each team would get uh 10,000 or 15,000 uh passes or tickets right. uh and then and then build from there uh and, and we'll you know we'll see how that works out but um uh, I, I do believe that th- that this is going to be behind us uh, sooner rather than later, and we're going to be able to move ahead. We're already getting there uh, pretty good in the state of Georgia, which makes us all happy. And so, you know, hopefully, if things continue to move in the right direction, this is all going to work out. It was a huge uh, announcement by the NCAA this week to say that, you know, student-athletes that play football and men's and women's basketball can return to campus and begin voluntary workouts. That was the first step of what's going to be probably about 85 steps, but it was a big, it was a big one. <laughs> hey, and I tell you what, we on this show, you were talking about all the recruits in the state of Georgia and how, uh, Georgia's so, um, talent rich. We, we push that all the time on our show. Um, and, uh, just that, with them coming out with that in June 1st, that allows the, the, the southeastern part of the world, especially because we love football, to get excited. You know, start mm-hmm. turning that turning the page, and you feel like, all right, they're letting them go back to school. We, we've got light well, at the end of the tunnel. Let, let, let me just say this. Uh, I, I talked to Governor Kemp uh, on Tuesday of this week, 
that what you just said is not lost on any government official of this about what the what that role plays in the psyche of the the nation but certainly those of us in the south mm-hmm. uh to have college football in the fall that is not something that is being overlooked everybody is aware of what that means to so many i mean we're mm-hmm. talking Literally hundreds of thousands. Oh, absolutely. And not only that, sports bars, people plan. There's business models based off of this. Right. I look to the fall and I'm like, sure. oh, man. I'm looked to the fall and I'm like, okay, who we got on tonight? You know, Georgia's playing South Carolina, Georgia Tech's at Miami, whatever. Like you, you build, I build my weekend around football. We do the, <laughs> we do the, we do the broadcast play by play for the Dublin fight in Irish. So like we, that's our time of the year. I that's mean, right. especially for us and where we live. I mean, in the state well, of Georgia, it's just, we love it. It's important, and and they and people realize it, and the people that matter realize it. Uh, and it's not the decisions. While there's a huge, and I do mean huge, financial uh, implication, it, that's not necessarily what's driving the whole show here. Uh, they also realize what it means to people, and you know how it keeps the the spirits up and the psyche up. Yeah. So it, it's important. Oh, there's no doubt. Well, uh, before we let you run, Chuck, um, Georgia's got a couple changing of the guards with the quarterback and some other positions, and there was some big-time guys that moved on, and I know Kirby's got some guys in the stable. Um, but what, what's kind of the outlook for the Georgia Bulldogs heading into summer and then in the season, I know, with uh, Jamie Newman and some of these guys coming in? What's kind of the outlook for the dogs going forward? Well, I mean, the talent's going to be there. I think now the question's going to become, how quickly can you get that talent ready? Uh, I think Georgia probably got penalized uh, more than a lot of schools uh, with the loss of spring because of a new quarterback coming in and Jamie Newman uh, and 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 the receivers. Uh, the receiving core is going to be very very young, and so that that's taken a little bit of a toll too because those kids missed the spring. So you know uh, there's going to be uh, the, the defense is going to without question have to carry the day. I think particularly in the early part of this coming season. But I do expect Georgia to be extremely good, and I expect them to win the East again. All right. Well, I'm happy to hear that anytime, Chuck, and everybody in Bulldog Nation here in Middle Georgia as well listening in. We want to say thanks uh, to you for giving us your time to come and join us on the show here. One of the best names in uh, sports in the state of Georgia, Chuck Dowdle, on here with us. We appreciate it, Chuck. Not a problem. Glad to be with you, gentlemen. Y'all have a great day. Absolutely. All right, my friend. And, uh, of course, we'll give uh, Jeff Gassler what for when he's on with us in just a few minutes, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell him I'm still waiting for his share of dinner out in Scottsdale. will <laughs> <laughs> do it. We got you covered. We got you covered there. And, and just just uh, play along when I text you later and uh, we hook up that Mark Rick phone call or that Kirby Smart phone call. Just go with me, Chuck. Just go with me. <laughs> okay, you, you got it, gentlemen. Thank All you right, so thanks, much. Buddy. Thanks, yeah, Chuck. Have a good night. Right. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Chuck Dowdle on there from the University of Georgia. Stick around. We got Jeff Dantzler next on your Rob Ben and Joe show right after this. You're listening to the Rob Ben and Joe show. Download the show today on your Spotify playlist or Apple Music. All right, we're back here on your Rob, Ben, and Joe show, hanging out. What a good time talking to Chuck Dowdle there 
in the first half of the show. Man, oh man, what a what fun that is! Don, he's not name dropping at all. Don yeah. Shula, yeah, Greasy, throwing some our way. Governor Kim. I was, like, I was like, hey man, this is this was not expected. Now we were coming on here, let's thinking about we were just going to hear the dogs, and here we go with you know Don Shula and some other big name guys, and um, how neat that was great. And the, the story about Mark Rick, who would have known that? Yeah, yeah. I tell you <laughs> what, and Jim Kelly, you know, I just you know. Just, yeah, household names. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, but, that, that was a lot of fun. And I tell you what was really cool though was the Governor Kemp thing. What's comforting to know of how much of a priority it is in the state of Georgia for us to get back to having football and the things that we love. And that's really, it's such a, you can tell though, the way that we've been one of the first states to open and all that stuff. But it's really comforting to hear that the, from top to bottom, our government officials know how important for not only just revenue in the state of Georgia, but for the mental psyche of the people that live in the South. Like, I know, I sit here and think, well, we're not going to have football. Like, I don't know what I would do without football. Like, I would have a massive problem without Absolutely. football. Like, like that would be like a huge void in my life. Yeah, well, at least the state knows, the government knows how much of a big deal it is, what people do looking forward to that. Like, Chuck knows. They know that. They know what it is for the state of Georgia for us to really kind of project that and get ready for the fall. And, um, I mean, there's just – we're built on – we're built on football in the South, and um, it's good to know that we've got the backing of the government officials. And they sometimes they can have their hands tied, but I really believe they're going to do everything they possibly can to help us get that ball rolling. You're absolutely right, guys. And I tell you what, it was so uh, so good to hear Chuck talk about that, not only for the University of Georgia, but also just for football in general, like you're talking about. And to know that everybody that's paying attention and wants uh, football and sports back in gear, that uh, they have the ears and the eyes and the awareness of all those people that are making those decisions at those top levels. And uh, as promised on the back half of our show here, none other than the uh, voice of the Diamond Dogs and the Lady Bulldogs on the hardwood floor and the pre- and post-game show the University of Georgia football program, and if you're listening to radio in Athens ever, you probably heard the name on ninety on uh, nine sixty. The ref, uh, Mr. Jeff Dantzler, here with us on the back half of the show. Jeff, how you doing? Doing great. Listen, my, my old buddy, my old baseball trainer, Rob Miller, told me you guys were nothing but trouble. <laughs> <laughs> tell Rob to watch himself. <laughs> did he tell? Hey, did, uh, did he lead you in on the, the the two other hacks on this show outside of Joe or Georgia Tech fans? Yeah. Did he tell you that? <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just uh, going to be excited when we all get it back for everybody, and I, I think. Uh, out of all this, it's been an, an, an awful ordeal for everyone, but I think when things are bad, good things can come out of it, and, and I think we've all been guilty about taking things for granted, but, but that's not going to be the case when we get the games back, and I think no matter what we do to be a part of sports or whatever it is in everyday life, I think we're going to savor every second of it. That's right, indeed. And, uh, Jeff, I know that you are uh, all about uh, everything that goes on in, in Bulldog Nation and a lot of football talk uh, from you, everything from your Bulldog brunch there with uh, the Hall of Fame legend Kevin Butler and, uh, of course, everything you do in the pre- and post-game uh, with uh, Chuck and everybody else involved in the broadcast and uh, Scott and everyone else. By the way, Chuck wanted us to tell you he's still waiting on that half a dinner from Arizona. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what that's all about, but we – We'll be sure to poke it back at him here in a little bit. Chuck, Chuck, 
Jeff's got a lot bigger expense account than I do. <laughs> hey, Jeff, uh, I, I appreciate you uh, coming on and talking with us, my friend. But what we wanted to ask you about is uh, just a little bit about your, your involvement with the sports program and a little bit about uh, all the fun that you get to have around uh, the Bulldog Nation on Saturdays. Tell us a little bit about that whole uh, uh, backstory. Set us up for you there on, on what you do and how much you do it. Oh, it's you know it's a lot of fun. I've loved Georgia my whole life. Like I've always said, the only thing I've loved longer than the Bulldogs are my mom and dad. So, <laughs> uh, just, just being around it and the nine years of undergrad to get that degree, uh, you know, living the life at Athens, Georgia. It's uh, it's it's been pretty great, and uh, there's just so many great people around Georgia. Athens is an incredibly special place, and and now especially uh, to, to get Kirby and Mary Beth back here who who love Georgia like all us Bulldogs do. It's home for them. These are really some special times for us. Absolutely, and you have had the opportunity to call some special times in Bulldog Nation history, and I'm talking about everything from the uh, the uh, the Final Four appearances and the, the trio of SEC championships and, of course, the uh, baseball runs to the World Series there. Uh, what's more fun for you, Jeff, in, in playing all the uh, the sports on the broadcast side there? What's What's been the most exciting for you in those days? Well, a lot, it's when you're winning. That's <laughs> but I, I love them all. And, and I think um, just for me personally, which is a boring subject, I know, uh, for, I, I got to call three uh, Coach Landers teams that went to the Final Four. That was my second year doing the games, and then my third year doing the games, and my, and my sixth year doing the games. So I got a little spoiled. Our baseball program was really down then, but Coach Polk came in, and then Coach Perno came in and took it to a higher level. So I, I think when, when baseball went to those four World Series aired in an eight-year period, that, that was something I, I really appreciated. So uh, that, that's been incredible. And, of course, being around, around all the, the football success that we've had here with Coach Donnan, with Coach Rick, and then in Kirby, uh, they, they've all been incredible times. And, you know, it's, it, there, there are so many other sports here at Georgia, what our swimming program's done, our, our golf teams have done, our, our tennis teams have done. And we're just blessed with a lot of great people here at the university. And, I mean, one example I always use, I talk about our big four coaches, and Jack Bowerly, who's our swimming coach, uh, Chris Hack, who's our men's golf coach, uh, Manuel Diaz, and Jeff Wallace, who are our two tennis coaches, uh, they've all won multiple national championships. And Coach Hack's the baby. He's only been at Georgia for 23 years. Now, that'd be the, the longest stint for so many other guys. But just being around great people like that who are such good friends and getting to share in their success has, has been really, really special. Well, I tell you, it's funny that you bring all that up. I mean, you being known as the uh, the foremost, the young historian there, University of Georgia Athletics, you've been involved with it for uh, quite some time. Now, I just want to ask you, in all that all that time that you've been involved in what you've been playing and fun there, who's the most fun now in your role to get to interview or to see off camera or off mic before it comes on? Who is just that guy that that makes you laugh or, or lady the most? What's your most fun interview now, Jeff? Well, I... I've got a million of them, so I, I can't really <laughs> say one. I mean, the, the, the four guys I just mentioned, Kirby's great. We did a show together. I've, I've been real close with uh, 
with our basketball coaches. Uh, Joni Taylor's great. Andy Landers great. Susanna Yachtlin Liebern was a tremendous interview. Uh, but but I'll tell you, one of my favorites I just did. I just did a, a piece for our Bulldog Illustrated magazine with my good buddy Tony Shavani, and he's one of my favorite guys to talk to because. We, we can talk about football and baseball and basketball, but I, I just love going back to, to his days in the NWA and Tony's back in wrestling now with, with the all elite wrestling, but just going back and, and how he was able to, to be the straight man and keep that straight face you know, while interviewing Rick Flair and Dusty Rhodes and Arn and Ole Anderson. So uh, you know, again, I, I love all these coaches and friends with so many of them, been close with so many here through the year. Uh, Tony is definitely one of my favorite interviews, though. I hear you. Well, let me ask you this before I toss you over to uh, Rob and Ben here, my Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket buddies at the table. Let me just point that out there again. Uh, a lot of people uh, may or may not know that you do a lot uh, with the Olympics and Olympic game uh, broadcast services and coverage of that. Uh, did you have any plans for the uh, upcoming Olympics? Were you going to be uh, engaged in that, even though it's been postponed now? I have not been invited to, uh, to to Tokyo. There must have been an international incident or something. <laughs> I, uh, I did get a, I did get the opportunity to cover swimming in London in 2012, um, uh, ice hockey in Sochi, Russia in 2014. It's a long way from Athens, Georgia, and, um, and I got to cover men's basketball in in, in Rio in 2016, which was which was really a treat. Yeah, those are great experiences. I, I spent a month in, in each of those places. London was my absolute favorite. It, it was the experience of a lifetime. I, I really enjoyed the other two, but but uh, spending that, that month in London is, is one of the great experiences that I've ever had. And, you know, we're all fingers crossed hopeful that uh, – that, that Tokyo will be up and going in, in, in 2021. Well, I tell you what, uh, you know, that is just a laundry list of uh, achievements in broadcasting. Let me just tell you, I'm going to uh, pump my chest out here for a minute. I know, I know you're a Statesboro native just down right. the road from us here. So, you know, we were pretty excited to interview your new athletic director, Jared Benko, down there. The other, <laughs> You know, loved it, but I, I'm just playing around. Uh, with Jared is uh, <laughs> He's a great guy. He uh, he was a student assistant in the sports information office here for the great Claude Felton, and he grew yep. up in Watkinsville. So I've known Jared since he was about 18 years old. He was one of the most impressive young guys, and uh, he kind of did a tour of the SEC, and he worked at Arkansas and at Mississippi State. And uh, any time we were there, we, we'd get with him. But Georgia Southern hired a gym. Uh, oh, yeah. He's got a beautiful young family, and – I, I'm just just so happy for him, and, and I think the, the the fans in Statesboro and throughout the Eagle Nation are, are going to love Jared. He, he will do a tremendous job for that program. Yeah, we had uh, your old friend Chris Blair on the air with us here not that long ago either as well. So, uh, you know, Chris over at LSU now calling the National Championship Tigers. We had to talk to him as well, but longtime voice of uh, the uh, Eagle Nation down there. So, Robin, been here too, guys. I know uh, you got some questions you want to fire, Jeff. What you got? Yeah, Jeff, this is Rob here. Um, just getting into some football stuff. That's what we absolutely love. Um, just as, you know, we, we are, we're all about it. But um, just kind of a, you know, a question here that you can definitely speak to with your, your long time at Georgia. But um, Georgia's always had, since I've been alive, um, Georgia's always had that quarterback since the late 90s that you know, the David Greens, the Matthew Staffords, the Aaron Murrays, the Jake Fromms. Um, just talk a little bit 
about how they were able, how over the last 20 years that they've been able to be so consistent at putting such a good product out in the field, um, you know, with the quarterback position and how that's been basically the trademark of the offense pretty much. You know, in the late 90s, David Green's your guy. You know, in the in the mid-2000s, Matthew Stafford's the guy still playing for the Lions, had an incredible career. And, you know, you'd be remiss to talk about Jake Fromm. I, I personally believe coming from middle Georgia that he's probably the most well-known Georgia quarterbacker I guess the most uh talked about around our area um you know since I've been alive so just talk a little bit about that well and I'm going to show my age here you know George's tailback you for me growing up and and really we had guys that like John Lastinger and Buck Ballou who were terrific oh yeah throwing the ball 10 12 times a game and when when Eric Zire came that that's when Georgia really started passing the football more and uh, you know, th- then you went on into, as you mentioned, David Green and DJ Shockley and Stafford. I mean, Aaron Murray was was really good, and and I love Jake. He's he's at the top of uh, top of the list. He's he's probably my, my my favorite guy in a long time. He was just a coach on the field and, and such a winner. But I, I just think it, it's one of those deals, and that's that's how recruiting goes when 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 a program has success. And I, I think for any prospect and you know you can think back to uh, you guys are tech fans like when Josh Nesbitt did such a great job of that triple option you know th- then you got guys like Justin Thomas who say hey I-, I can see myself doing that so I think that's always a big thing in recruiting and you know, e- even going back to Willie McClendon and, and Herschel we- we've always attracted that great tailback because I, I think when it when it comes to getting those blue chippers in you want to have those great players and you want to have those heir parents who can see themselves in that position and in that situation when they get to school yeah there's no doubt about that and you i think you hit the nail straight on the head as far as seeing yourself there and with with the university of georgia herschel walker obviously is is across the country you might as well you could say worldwide in the football world and collegiate football in the 80s that's really where the Georgia running back position has started with Herschel, and it's it's that has stayed with the dogs for a long, long time. And I have in my every time you turn on the dogs, you know it don't matter who it is, they're going to have at least one or two running backs that are absolute studs. And you alluded to it; they all say, "Well, Herschel Walker played at Georgia. That's where running backs go." Well, that's that's true, and that that certainly helped. You know, going back to guys like Rodney Hampton and Tim Worley in the '80s. But you know, when you talk about the, the depth at tailback, that was such a huge part of our SEC championship in 2017. I mean, to have Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift, and, and numbers four and five were Brian Harry and, and Elijah Holyfield. I mean, that yeah. was just a tremendous array of running backs there. And, and that's where you walk that, that fine line, too. You know, you want to be able to spread the wealth, um, but, but you also have to have enough carries to keep everybody healthy. But one, one of the biggest things I've seen change in college football, I mean, going back to, to when Herschel was here and even on in, in the Whirly and Keith Anderson and Hampton, it, it was difficult if you had an elite guy to go out and get another elite guy that next year or two in recruiting just because you just felt like the carries weren't going to be there. Well, when Alabama, they really became the game changer. When they had three straight classes, when they got Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson, and Eddie Lacy, 
that that was a game changer. And then all of a sudden, these guys started realizing, hey, I might not win the Heisman, although Ingram did, and but but I'm going to get to the NFL and I'm going to have a lot of tread on my tires. So oh yeah. I, I think with that, then you know you saw Georgia got Todd Gurley and Keith Marshall in the same year. Two years later, picked up Sony Michelle and, and, and Nick Chubb. So that to me, especially at the running back position, which unfortunately is is also the the position for a variety of reasons that that has the most major knee injuries there. I I, I think that's that's hugely important. And I mean, if you do just have that one guy. You're just holding your breath because, unfortunately, just with the pounding that they take, and and these guys are all so big and strong and physical, and the the velocity of the hits they're taking, you know, for for most players, it's not a question of if, it's when that knee is going to get injured in the running back position. Yeah, there's no – that is – it's so vulnerable, and you saw it with, unfortunately, with Todd Gurley at Georgia, um, which he recovered well and, and had a Chubb, great, yeah, and yeah, Chubb, you, just, you know, it's just the knee injury <clears throat> with that position is just one of those things. Inevitable. But you talk about all the talent in the backfield, and it, it's really amazing to me, especially in the in, in 2017 um, year with with Michelle and Chubb. How they were able, two guys that if they were at any other university, probably besides Alabama, would have definitely taken 30, 40 carries a game. And they took that they took their personal they took their self themselves out of it. And they probably work together as the best duo that are both still playing in the NFL that probably you could say in college football history as far as two most talented guys. And I think one of the key pieces to that, and you can kind of speak to our listeners a little bit, I believe that Jake Fromm was the perfect fit at quarterback to help all of that kind of flow really well with the chemistry and the running backs and the receivers and the offensive line taking in a young freshman. But I think Jake Fromm was that key piece to help the mix all mix perfectly into that perfect blend that came out. I agree with you 100% there. And and, and I think uh, you you can't underestimate what that meant for Kirby because it, it was his first season and I mean, we won some close games, but we had three heartbreaking losses. You know, Tennessee hit the Hail Mary. Vanderbilt comes in here and wins by one. Tech came back and, and won that game by one point. And that was one of the things that both Nick and Sony said going off the field that day. They said, we don't want to go out like this. I think it, number one, it showed their love for Georgia. And, and number two, I think it showed a trust and a faith in a first year going into a second year head coach. Uh, those, those to me still to this day are the two biggest recruits that he had. And then when they came back, Georgia really got the ball rolling in recruiting. And, you know, it's, you know, what the dogs have been able to do under Kirby's watch. It's like I said, we had back to back home games in 2015. We beat Georgia Southern in overtime and coach Rick's last year. And then in Kirby's first year, our first home game, we beat Nickel State by two points. So to think that to go from that back to back home games, to what George has accomplished is so impressive. But in, in terms of the national picture, even that you bring up Chubb and Michelle, I think the biggest thing to look for now, when you think about them coming back in 17, Clemson got all those defensive linemen back in 2018. Now Alabama's got three first rounders coming back this year. And then Joe Burrow returning for his senior year. We all know recruiting's a lifeblood. But I'm telling you, if, if you want to pick that national champion of the team that's going to take a run at it, you find the team that's got a bunch of hungry seniors coming back, and that's going to be a really good bet. 
There's no question about that, and that's kind of a page out of Saban's book. You know, he comes here, he sells that to his recruits. It's four years. You know, you're not going to, you know, and there is some that go three, but a lot of times I think Nick's success in Alabama is due in part because these guys stay four years, and Kirby has carried that message to the University of Georgia, and Chuck was talking about it before uh, before we had you on about how polarizing he is, and it's not the easiest thing when one sheriff goes out and a new regime comes in and being able to take that, crew and turn it around and have you know they still had a winning record in his first season but coming back that next year and having just an incredible season true freshman quarterback but you're right it wasn't as much Kirby pushing that you know steam it was the seniors that were running that show and I think they set the precedent for Kirby's tenure going forward because they all realized hey man this guy's going to protect his seniors if you stay with him for three or you know four years he's going to take care of you and I think that's going to help Georgia for the next 10 years to come. Well, I, I think you're right on that. And, you know, you've got to have the mix. So any great program, you're going to have those, those three-year guys that go. You, you, you Absolutely, you got to have that. But you have got to have those guys who, who are four and five years. But it's just one thing to keep in mind. I mean, guys, you just think back to when you were that age. I don't care how good you are. When you're 18 or 19, you think about the maturity level, both physically and mentally, from that to if you're talking about a fourth-year, a fifth-year senior, when you're 22, 23 years old, no comparison. it is a world of difference, world of difference. Absolutely right. And I tell you what, Jeff, uh, we really appreciate your insight and in, in talking about uh, you know just that and what it means to the team and, and giving us some of your perspective on that. So we want to ask you before we let you go, uh, we're getting close to our time here, but uh, tell me what you think uh, moving forward in and – transition to this fall season who are going to be some of the game breakers that you feel like Georgia is going to be able to bring in in this recruiting class I know you uh, know it well so who do you think are going to be the names that are going to stand out the most moving ahead are you talking about guys who are true freshmen this year or guys that Georgia is recruiting for next year guys that Georgia are recruiting uh, for next year okay well I think Georgia is going to wind up doing pretty well in the state it's it's another Strong year for offensive linemen in the state. That there are a couple of elite defenders out there uh, that Georgia's looking at. Uh, uh, Dogs have got a commitment from Michael Morris, who's an offensive tackle uh, from down in Kingsland, Georgia. Uh, Marius Mims is probably uh, number one on the old recruiting depth chart. A big tackle from Blackley, Georgia. Matt Luke's come in here. Yeah, has come in here and has done a a tr- tremendous job up there. And I, I think on defense, probably Smile Mondin, uh, David Daniel, who's been committed, Jonathan Jefferson, Marlon Dean are all committed. That's going to be a big foundation. And, and that's, that's the thing with Georgia. If you can get the best of the best, you're not going to get them all, but at least your fair share and then go get some elite out of staters. That's the way to go. Uh, receiver, Georgia had a really good crop. Guys that will be freshmen for this year. Uh, I would say in-state, probably the, the number one guy right now plays at Athens Academy uh, just down the road is a kid named Dion Colsey, who was originally a uh, commit to Notre Dame. Uh, so he would probably be the number one in-state receiving target. But but there are a couple of out-of-staters, and uh, Georgia's got one tailback commitment from Lavoisier Carroll and is, and, and, and is still out there looking too. So – I love Kirby's philosophy when it comes to recruiting. Get great players at every position every year. 
Yeah, and you can definitely tell that with what he's obviously got in the in the lifeline and already oh, yeah. there. And uh, Jeff, just uh, to before we before we depart here for 2020, uh, we all know there's going to be football in some form or fashion. But with a lot of the offense departing, a lot of the big name guys for the last three or four years that a lot of people have heard about. Who's a couple of those guys to watch out on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball going into 2020 for the Dogs? Well, I think the defense, hey, you guys know all the names there. I, I think the linebacker position is is really loaded. I think Monty Rice can have a big senior year. The secondary should be really good. I, I think the, the starting defensive line, the first four or five, should be outstanding as well. Uh, the, the biggest questions for me are going to be at place kicker, at left tackle, so you're talking about replacing Blankenship and Andrew Thomas, and then obviously at quarterback because Jamie Newman, Dwan Mathis, Carson Beck, those guys didn't get a spring practice, and there's a new offensive uh, coordinator coming in there too. You know, that being said, I think Samir White and, and George Pickens and James Cook are going to have to have big seasons for Georgia. I really like Kenny McIntosh, and I think out of the – the incoming freshman, uh, Marcus Roseby, might be the most game-ready uh, receiver Georgia's got. Kind of a, a down-the-road uh, player for Georgia might be because he's just so fast. Is a guy named Arian Smith who's also from Florida. He's kind of got that Miko Harmon-like speed. He mm. primarily played defense, but uh, he's going to come in as a receiver. So it might take him, you know, a, a year or so to, to kind of get the ropes down. But you know, that—that's the one thing through all the attrition, Georgia and, and injury. Georgia just didn't have throughout the year that that big play game breaker at receiver last year. As unfortunately, Lawrence Cager got hurt. And by the time Pickens and Blaylock got up to speed, you know, you, you, you had the suspension from what happened against Tech, and then Blaylock got hurt in the SEC title game. So just we never had Cager, Pickens, and Blaylock up to speed 100% at the same time, and that, that certainly hurt the passing attack. There's no question, but there's one thing you can write home is the Bulldog defense will be back in action. For somebody that really enjoys defense and physicality, you can rest assured that if you're if you're a dog fan out there, your offense is a little bit more protected than most because that <laughs> defense can bail you out. That's one of the the, the the defense last year was incredible. They're holding offenses, you know, LSU, they probably had their best performance if the dogs could have got their offense rolling. They had the best performance against LSU. So I think that defense, like you said, Jay, it's going to really, you know, help that offense kind of – it's going to bail them out a few times, especially early on in the conference schedule. Yeah, and I think that's one thing, too. I think the defense and, and the special teams, they might try and take it upon themselves to get some of those knots, those non-offensive touchdowns, because those can certainly make the difference. Well, Jeff, we certainly do appreciate you coming on and sharing some time with us and uh, just some good words there. Man, it's good to have the Bulldogs on after having West Durham and uh, Andy Demetra and everybody from Je- uh, Yellow Jacket land. It's good to have some Bulldog action on here with me. I appreciate it. Well, you guys are fantastic. Uh, Wes is one of the best ever. And I'll tell you, the uh, uh, Tech's got a really good young announcer named Wiley Ballard, who's a, who's a good friend of mine. He'd be a great, great guest for you guys. We'd love to have him on. Yeah, we'd yeah, love Wiley to have him on. Wiley, he, he, he does a terrific job for, uh, for Tech. So uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on. We love talking Bulldogs here in Middle Georgia anytime, as well as football and other sports. And great to have you on with us, Jeff Dantzler. We appreciate you, sir. Talk to you. You again soon. Go dogs. All right, guys. Go dogs. Thanks. See ya. Yeah.
All right, Jeff Dantzler there with Chuck Dowdle on the Bulldog Network. I can say that after having Georgia Tech on all last week, I think, right? That was, that was fun. That was fun. I enjoyed that. I, I mean, full disclosure here, I probably I watch slightly more Georgia Tech than I do Georgia, but I watch a lot of Georgia football. Watch a bunch you know, of it. I, I enjoy it just being plugged into the teams in the state. And oh, yeah. Heck, they're always on. Georgia Tech gets screwed with the twelve thirty slot, and Georgia gets prime time. It's just the way it is. <laughs> well, well, you don't have to worry about it because next week we got Vanderbilt on going to be with us here with Mr. Joe Fisher. So uh, we can uh, we can pound on somebody other than Georgia and Georgia Tech. <laughs> we'll, right. we'll, we'll take it out on Vandy next <laughs> That's week. That's right. That's something everybody likes to do. I think. <laughs> Anchors down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, stick in. We got Joe Fisher joining us next week. You don't want to miss that show here on the Rob Ben and Joe Show. Brought to you by. Uh, Bubba's Tire and Eyeballs Media, and uh, we'll listen to uh, those guys. I found the commercials, guys, so we'll actually get to play a commercial before we get out of here today. But uh, for us, I think that's going to wrap it up, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week here on the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show. Good night, everybody.